I have learned to not give advice unless I'm asked because I have this conditioning that I usually get paid to give advice, right? But I find that um, for all for a lot of non-lawyers, uh, um, well, advice is given freely, but often it's unsolicited. And uh, especially when it comes to mental health, sometimes somebody just wants to be heard and seen in their struggle and having that repeated or reflected back to them will be more useful than ignoring what they said and then just going on to advice. Uh, that tends to come from personal assumptions that we make or judgments. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode and Happy New Year. I say Happy New Year because that's what we say, even though I'm sure it's not seeming that way as we're still dealing with this pandemic. The UK has gone into another national lockdown. Um, So I hope some of the episodes that I've been sharing are helpful in terms of some practices to help manage through these times, whether that's through yoga, meditation, journaling, things that are within your control. So taking, letting go of what it is that we can't control and, and taking, taking charge of what it is we can control. And um, I think this episode is really perfect for that as well. I, I feel like I'm saying that every week now. Um, but this episode with Delphine Supanya Berger about authentic connecting and authentic relating because she, even though nothing compares to in-person connections with each other, she talks about how we can still have those through an online format. And I think as we go into this third lockdown, that is more important than ever. So I hope you uh, check out this episode and listen through it all the way through. Delphine has a really powerful story and some really great tips um, that might be helpful uh, in, in getting through these times. So I hope you all enjoy this episode and I'll see you on the other side. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Yeah, but so how, yeah, how are you, how are you doing? Uh, wow, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's like, because it's like COVID, so I'm yeah. just like starting like how people are doing, yeah. Um, me personally or me with business? Yeah, well, both. Okay, so personally, um, I guess, yeah, it's been a really hard year. Like um, for me, the confinement in Singapore started really in January, like end of Jan. So I was confined to my apartment. It's lovely, but it's four months where I was just in my apartment. And then outside was really policed. Um, and I had mm-hmm. a home where we felt really, really isolated and super lonely. And then it was so fucking hot. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And uh, we couldn't go outside, but then the air conditioning didn't seem to be strong enough. So it was just too hot. And I felt really claustrophobic and it made me reassess uh, where I live and how yeah. far from my family I am. And then uh, my grandmother died and then my, uh, um, and sorry. Then my cousin died and then my aunt and my uncle died too. Not from oh. COVID, 
Yeah. <laughs> but I couldn't go to funerals. So I They're all in Europe. Yeah. And then yeah. I couldn't, as in Singapore closed its borders. I said, no, we could leave, but we couldn't come back. So now I've left. If I want to go back, I have to quarantine in a hotel for 3,000 USD for two weeks. Um, and I have no choice. And then, um, and it's a lot of money, but then I couldn't come back then when they all died. So I attended all the funerals via WhatsApp video, which was mm-hmm. the strangest thing. Yeah. Like, and then being really alone with it. Um, and then I really considered like life and shortness of life. And like, yeah. Uh, so then I'm like, wow, like I've, I've left Charles three years ago. And now I'm often single because I've been building um, a consultancy business and that's been taking my life, like completely taking over my life. And I was like, oh, yeah. um, like I ticked all these like career boxes and then, and then I was like, I had no time for dating or I didn't make the time and, and my social life wasn't as big as it would have been before. Yeah. Um, so I think this year has just reshifted all my priorities into something completely different like um yeah so now um finding myself a husband is priority number one <laughs> okay so 2021 yeah find a husband <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't date someone i want to like have another long-term relationship with because charles and i were together five years and then um, yeah we broke up so um yeah so so, so just have another boyfriend <laughs> That yeah. I want to like move in together and like maybe who, who my dog will like and <laughs> <laughs> that you and the dog will like yeah <laughs> oh well I'm so sorry to hear that but it sounds like it's kind of been had a silver lining I guess in the sense that you've kind of assessed you know what a lot of things like where you're living and oh. what you want to be doing and and everything yeah. 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 Yes, and then then it's all sort of spiral down. Like even from a business perspective, like we we had contracts for one point seven million in revenue. Um, like it's a lot uh, for a very startup consultancy in um, October last year, and by yes. mid January, all of the payments got suspended. The the jobs got pushed, and then they all got cancelled around April when they extended the measures. Yeah. Um, even though we converted it all to online, all the budgets were frozen and all the HR, like people got fired. Like all of my contacts in companies just got let go of. Like it was just, you know, it was just like, it was like my, my, my castle just came crashing. Like, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, and that was really hard. Like I had hired 10 people, like I'd invested a lot of time and training and resources and then I ended up having to pay for it all by all myself and our wow. ethics and values were we all were 75 percent at the time for a really good salary and it's not a startup salary um and I wanted to try that model but then I ended up well spending a lot like all my savings I guess um, and then I had to wind down the company so much that I was like, oh, like I failed and whatnot. Actually, I haven't because I have a great MVP, I have a great product, like I have, I have a great customer list. It's just circumstantial, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I put the company on hold um, from June. So I let everybody go by mid-May. Um, and then I didn't get government relief from Singapore government because there's no Singapore shareholder in my company. 
or director is all foreign. So I thought I'd get 75% of their salaries, but I didn't, which is why I kept them on payroll whilst having nothing to do and no income. Yeah. I didn't get that either. So it was just like, oh my God, like really. Um, and then I got really depressed. <laughs> well, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> so yeah. I had a tiny little dog that I adopted from, um, from an abusive family. So I've had Cherry Blossom for, yeah, since June, really. She's just oh. multiple um with like tiny nervous system and she's highly <laughs> but so cute <laughs> and, uh, oh cute i love it yeah. <laughs> and then i came back to europe um and i just took care of myself like i went into five weeks of complete silence in sweden at that retreat center where i usually do my retreats but that had to be canceled too um like everything got canceled this year like absolutely all of our events like everything yeah just everything <laughs> and um and then i did a training in authentic um relating um and uh and i'm really far ahead like i've almost done all of their stuff and then they hired me as a business development uh, and sales um to run their corporate um arm so i'm basically reconverting well to work uh, yeah. into uh, authentic relating um well that's the only product i'll be selling like i'll, I'll do a, i'll still do well-being and, and meditation as a yeah. side thing if i'm asked and i'll have a side brochure which is the same as before but i'm now mainly selling something we call authentic communication and authentic leadership trainings and um okay. and my life has completely turned around since like i went for yeah, the yeah. training in denmark and now uh, i pitched this to a japanese bank and we're running um, a mentorship, mentor-mentee development program um, for 1,000 people in a dry run. And it's supposed to be uh, spread out through the entire 11,000 people division worldwide. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> and the discussion started a month ago, and they're so excited, and I'm doing it... Um, I was supposed to do a PhD, but now I have no more data. I, I deferred it again. But my PhD professor is an organizational development consultant, um, and he works mainly with banks. And he's 76 okay. and is a neuroscientist. And so this came through him. Um, so yeah, we're launching that in January. So it seems like I've had a year off to refine, to, to find another practice, another product, and just like reshift my 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 skill set to yeah. a, a different product which doesn't have my name all over it which is not me which and and then that way i can do what i do best which is actually selling <laughs> <laughs> person um i like teaching but not so often mm. so um because and then also if i teach the same thing twice i get really bored and then my energy level dips and then i and then and that's no good <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's just shit for me, for them, like, yeah, <laughs> you know? and um, yeah, so, so we're really, so I'm really excited about this. So I'm, I'm going to relaunch the website because I, I took everything off. Like I took my article yeah. away, like I just have my LinkedIn because um, I just needed to grieve. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Start over. Yeah. Well, that I, that's great to hear. I'm, so I want to dive into that, but I kind of want to go back a little bit because you have a, an interesting career story. Um, 
so I want to go back to kind of your your career as a lawyer initially, and then how you came to transition into um, the well being space, and then and then we'll get into what you what you're doing now. Okay, so I um, yeah I I studied law in France and Germany. I did a joint degree, um, and uh, and I started working as an in house counsel at the Walt Disney Company. Uh, it was my first job. I got my dream job. It was so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I wasn't quite satisfied just working in France. And um, and so I, I went back to Thailand, um, uh, became an intern again, and, and interned with like a Thai law firm and Clifford Chance, which is a UK law firm. Um, and then um, my boss back then, um, who still actually is there, Fergus Evans, like a was like, you should be doing a, a graduate diploma in law, like a conversion course in, in the UK and become a solicitor because you have this appetite for international transaction um, and, 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 and an outlook to the world. So why don't you go to the UK and apply for, for this degree? And um, just to give some context, my mother's from Thailand and my father's French. I was born in Germany and, I, and we moved every two to six years until I was 18, and then I just kept that rolling, really. And uh, so I was like, well, okay, what a brilliant idea. Let's go to London. Like, <laughs> and um, I had some friends there already, so I, I, I signed up to do this graduate diploma in law, and then I did the legal practice course to qualify as a solicitor. And then I found a training contract with an American law firm called Catwalder, Wickersham & Taft, and I trained there for um, two years, and then I became this, international transaction lawyer um, mm-hmm. what I wanted um, and then fancy lawyer yeah <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes and then um, my father uh, got sick so I um, so I decided to to return to Singapore and um, so change specialty I was doing financial restructuring um, and then and then I changed to aviation finance um, to with Watson Farley and Williams uh, in Singapore so I moved back and um, I guess I was working really hard, um, like being a foreigner, being a woman, um, wanting to prove myself and, and, and by right, just, just, you know, having moved to London just after the financial crisis, like I was met with quite some um, resistance um, and I didn't feel very welcome as a European in a country which was, which had high employment rate, unemployment rates and um, with the national um, citizens. And so, and I felt this a lot. So I think um, like if I'm rationalizing or trying to explain, like I was trying to make up for that. So mm-hmm. I took elocution lessons to sound more British or English. <laughs> and then oh, wow. uh, lessons like in humor, like to make more English jokes or and First of all, you understand them being French. It was really hard. <laughs> and uh, I really worked on not offending people when I was speaking more in a direct French way. Um, but yeah, so so I, I was working really hard, like, and, uh, and financial restructuring were really busy. And my days were 12, 14, 16 hour days. I was working weekends. And, and so I, I started on this treadmill of just overworking and, and allowed work to become my life. Mm. And so um, uh, six months into my new job in Singapore, um, I started to get really ill. I had these constant headaches. Um, 
I my my muscles started tearing significantly every time I moved. Um, and so I had this constant pain that I had to deal with whilst um, adapting to a new boss, new environment, new colleagues, like new specialty. Um, and then, um, yeah, in April 2016, I had a series of neurological events um, that somewhere explained some weren't. Um, mm-hmm. in, in short, I had a mini stroke as one of the things was a mini stroke and then the rest was big question mark yeah having all these symptoms but the tests weren't conclusive enough yeah so what were doctors telling you at this point um that i was having neurological events yeah (laughs) (laughs) like okay (laughs) my my, half my my body was paralyzed but not all the time like only intermittently they called it a hysterical paralysis um then they were like you seem to be having transient ischemic attacks which is the mini strokes um were also called tias but did they, and then I had what appeared to be thrombosis in my hand, um, but like nothing was quite conclusive when they were looking mm-hmm. um, for confirmations. Yeah. And, and so, did you did you feel like you had some kind of intuition about what you thought was going on, or not? Not really. Um, well, the day I went to hospital, I remember thinking that something was really, really wrong. Um, I know that I was already burning out before. Um, it's also because life at home was really hard with my father being really ill, like he had skin cancer um, and it was quite developed um, and, and, and it was quite hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. The new job, the work, the hours. Um, and uh, and I, I, could, like, I was going to hospital quite regularly already because I had all of these things going on. It was almost like my body was just shutting down. Um, And then the day where that spot on my hand was there for weeks and I didn't go because I was just like, oh, there's something else. They're going to tell me to quit my job. Oh, so every single doctor that I went to uh, in the six months period and that six months period was like, Delphine, you're not in the right place. Quit your job. Go see a psychologist. Do meditation. Go do yoga, travel, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) And then I remember not wanting to hear it at all. Yeah, like it actually enraged me that they would say something like this. I'm like, just give me a pill, or operate on me and uh, and fix me. Fix me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think I, I started to get frustrated because there was no fix. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and now I understand that they were trying to tell me something, but at the mm. time I really, really, really wasn't in any space to hear it. Yeah. Um, so I pushed. I kept pushing. Instead of taking the days off that I needed, I just kept working from home. Um, And then, yeah, and then after the two weeks of neurological events, I had brain fog um, and then half my body wasn't functioning. Wow. Um, Like it was intermittently functioning because some days it was functioning and some days it wasn't. Um, That must have been so scary though. Like, yeah, what what was going through your mind at that point? Um. In retrospect, like it's been four and a half years, um, like I I don't know if I was thinking anything really um, because of the brain fog, and right. uh, and I, I think I was I was pretty out of it. Um, I was definitely scared. Um, I really didn't want to die, and and hearing that you know I could have died every day from like the medical corridor and the other alternative practitioners I was already seeing at the time because I was getting frustrated with the lack of, of answers and solutions um, from the allopathic system. 
um, yeah, they were all like, oh yeah, you, you had a brush with death. And, um, and I guess, um, yeah, at the time that was really present for me. And then my father being really ill, like, I think I just had, I just discovered something completely different about death um, and, uh, and my relationship to life and how much of a gift it is. Um, but it took me some time to, to get there. Like, to mm -hmm. the it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. So what, yeah, when, at what point did you start making changes? So, um, I guess, uh, about six months after I was well enough to function, like even from, from a brain perspective, I, I, I still can't drive. Um, like I, I have a lag between like my, my right and my left side. And, and, and so my, my, my right side is not as responsive and as fast right. as my left. You're um, not missing anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that, it's not that great. <laughs> And, um, I think, yeah, six months later, like I, I, I started to do yoga. I started like, I took, I took some, some, some balancing lessons. I started doing a lot of, um, reform of Pilates and Pilates and then trying to get that balance back between my left and my right. And I was actually more focusing on my strong side, which was my left side. Um, because I heard somewhere that the body constantly seeks for balance. So instead of overextending and, and overworking my weaker side, I was I was working my stronger side more, and then somehow um, my balance got restored, and mm -hmm. uh, and then I discovered things like um, like I went much deeper into traditional Chinese medicine, um, also animalistic movement, um, also observing my nephew who was like a few months old. And how he was turning his body and how he's crawling on the floor and i'm like okay like i'm i'm incapacitated here like i need to learn to use my body again so i was imitating him and uh and in those like movement sequences of like how to 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 crawl properly on the floor how to turn my body properly from like lying on the, the belly or the side and where the movement originates from just really um like my body clicked back together and so then then it was almost like, oh my God, this is so fascinating. Like, let's go deeper into that. So I did a yoga teacher training um, and I had to do that one-on-one -on -one because my body wasn't um, in anywhere, <laughs> in any place to like, like do anything else with like a group. Yeah. <laughs> experience yoga, of their experience like um, yoga practitioners. Um, and then I went much, much deeper into meditation and I was already doing a lot of Vipassana. Um, before then uh, as a way just to, 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 to cope as a lawyer, I guess. Um, yeah. Oh, so you were already doing it when you were um, at the law firm? Yes, I was already doing it. And actually Vipassana, I was introduced by my mother because um, my Thai family are, um, are all uh, Mahayana Buddhists and, uh, and most of the men in my Thai family are ordained monks. So we observe some kind of monastic lifestyle and, and okay. practices. Um, and, and more as a lifestyle than rights at home when I was a child. Um, so, so, so I had that already and I had rejected it for the longest time. I was using some of it, but it was definitely like it came back. I, I, I went into proper deep dive of, of meditation and, um, and then I became a meditation teacher and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a intuitive healing therapist. Mm -hmm. um, 
just by the sheer fact of how I had recovered, um, like, and what I'd learned recovering, and then also combining it with like talk therapy that I just knew as a lawyer. Because what do we do all day? We listen to to people. We digest the information and put it back and just find solutions. And so yeah, yeah. I kept doing that. Like it came really, really naturally. And people just started coming to me, like anybody who burned out, um, people with autoimmune conditions, other people who had had heart attacks and strokes. Um, and so, yeah, so, so then I just transitioned really naturally from being a lawyer to um, an alternative therapist, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... And then I, I had this opportunity to go corporate one day where people were like, well, why don't you come to our offices and just do that? Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't know where to start, but okay. Yeah. And I was really honest with it. I'm like, well, I, I have no clue what I'm doing. Like, um, <laughs> I just went through this. But <laughs> and then this came from my old colleagues in law firms. Um, so that's how I started, actually. And then um, I, one of my ex-colleagues from my last law firm moved to a different one, and her boss jumped from a building in Singapore and, oh, wow. uh, and, and, and died on impact. And, um, and so then how it then transformed was that I, I got invited to think about grief counseling and, and how to create programs for teams that would um, allow them to just connect again. Um, that deal didn't go through. However, it jump-started uh, what then became a corporate consultancy and well-being called Weltwork. Um, and we were really specializing in yeah, creating longer-term programs uh, for corporations. Um, we started with one workshop, like an hour or two, and then, and then, yeah, we, we just designed programs um, um, that we just rolled out across departments. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think my, my career change happened extremely naturally because I just kept following what felt the best and was the easiest. Like, I, I've had my struggles, but it, it almost seemed like things just came to me and I just had to say yes or no. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I and got to evolve that way. Taking the next logical step each time. Yeah. So with these corporate well-being programs, what's what are kind of the main issues that you find in the corporate setting, the main obstacles to well-being? Well, I guess um, there are many folds. So every company, depending on size, culture, is different with like, in their values and how they do things but even in one company the different departments will be completely different countries almost mm-hmm. like, yeah. speaking it's just um and so i think the lack of like um organizational oversight and synergy um is one of the main obstacles that i find also i think and i had a conversation with an athlete um who is now uh, head of marketing at swarovski <laughs> like uh, in in a country in Europe, and she and she told me something like she she used to be a tennis player, professional tennis player, and she said, well, actually, burnout is not a real thing. Yeah, um, it's just people who are not supposed to be there, and so because they are depressed and they're going against their grain, their body attacks them, and then they get all of these health issues. 
so good riddance if they if they leave yeah yeah so that they can reinvent themselves just like you did and that was a really shocking conversation for me I was like like I I and and actually it was so shocking because I I've been fighting against this kind of behavior which I labeled as bullying for the last three three and a half years um but thinking back now I'm like actually she has a point because I hated being there like Mm -hmm my the, the the corporate culture in which I was in I labeled as toxic but some didn't I did um and um, the doctors all told me to leave and I didn't <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and, so, and so I just stayed in a place which made me extremely unhappy and then yeah my body just just collapsed um so I think one of the main obstacles like considering all that I've just said is also the lack the, the inherent lack of support that mm-hmm. um that that has that is the norm in a lot of companies and organizations where we did not have an employee assistance program of like a hotline we could call i did have it in england with my former law firm um, like with the insurance policy i had like a counseling session per week it was great like it really helped me i didn't yeah. have that in singapore like um and then I also find that uh, in Asia, especially, there is an enormous stigma around the word mental health. Mm-hmm. So anything that's labeled mental health has no people coming. Right. So we relabeled it as being super well. Like, do you want to be super well? Here, come and um, learn some productivity and well-being hacks. Yeah. Um, and that seemed to work uh, because the it's almost like we as employees and as, as people who are career driven need to like uphold a certain image and admitting to struggling is not the is not something that's accepted by each person mm-hmm. and so and then how do we communicate that um so yeah i find i find a sensitivity and, a, and, a, and just education and emotional intelligence actually um and then just making it okay to not to be okay yeah um, and to express that i think um i think would start to really help but you know covid has been the biggest gift for our industry oh yeah like oh my can god you expand on that yeah like <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god covid has been such a gift like um the well-being industry, like although from I think because of the budget cuts or the spending freezes, um, actually spending freezes would be more um, more accurate uh, for most companies. Budget cuts for others, um, like nothing really happened last year, and and we've all been doing a lot of things for free, um, which is fine. But like for next year, we're booked, and uh, and companies are start starting to think about well before we were meeting in the offices, but not really interacting with each other, just around mm-hmm. food and alcohol, which yep. isn't authentic, and it's not yep. a proper human connection. And now that we're all working from home online, not meeting and having to create human connection differently, yep. um, well-being and soft skills, education, and how to communicate and create a human connection um, online, has boomed like uh, like you know um, I've uh, I've trained in something called authentic relating. It's a soft skills training and in, in, in authentic leadership and in how to create a relational experience between two people mm-hmm. uh, in person or online. And so, what is that? What what is authentic relating? 
So it's a, it's basically a communication skill that you can learn in like um, in eighteen in twelve to eighteen hour um, sections uh, or courses, and um, and it's experiential learning where we explain principles of authentic relating, um, and uh, and then make you practice in games in like uh, in really like a relational game uh, in pods of two, three, or four people. Um, and then we give you sentence stems, we give you games, we give you um, how to start a conversation, how to maintain one, how to continue one, and how to make to and you're learning how to listen, and um, so that you can make the person who's sharing something with you feel seen, heard, and acknowledged, and uh, and learn how to respond back without having mm-hmm. to give advice, um, because that's really the thing I. We tend, especially as lawyers, like we 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 get paid to give advice. Yeah, <laughs> I have learned to not give advice unless I'm asked, because I yeah. have the conditioning that I usually get paid to give advice, right? Yeah. But I find that um, for all for a lot of non-lawyers, uh, um, well, advice is given freely, but often it's unsolicited, and uh, especially when it comes to mental health, sometimes somebody just wants to be heard and seen in their struggle. And having that repeated or reflected back to them will be yeah. more useful than ignoring what they said and then just going on to advice yeah. um, that tends to come from personal assumptions that we make or judgments. And so in this authentic relating courses, um, like we, we teach people how to hold these kinds of conversations and they've been really life-changing. And our corporate um, programs are called authentic communications. And so it's it's really a, a training that leads to authentic leadership, and um, and we're currently running them on in mentor de- uh, mentor development uh, mentorship development programs, and uh, and they're really beautiful because we're teaching the leaders and the mentors and managers to communicate in a way that will create a connection with their mentees, which often now um, in the programs that we're running are the new graduates and uh, anybody who's like onboarded very recently so that they can create a, like a, a connection that actually matters and that makes the junior less intimidated about joining an organization online now. Yeah, yeah. so especially now, you know, I've, obviously this was already important and um, obviously a challenge before, but now that, you know, for the foreseeable future, we're gonna be online and, even when things are back to normal, I think COVID has also changed the work world in terms of remote. How can people create that connection um, through while while working from home and while being remote? Do you have any just like a few concrete tips that people can take away? Ah, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> the, the practice of authentic relating has so many. It's so beautiful. Like. Um, you know, um, I can just start by saying, you know, we have three levels of conversations that we see. There's the informational one, which is what I'm giving now. Like I'm giving a lot of informational, um, like level information, which and, and, and facts, and they're interesting, but there is no connection that's made with me because hey, it's like hey, I'm sitting my brain and it's interesting. Then the personal level ones, which I may have talked about before, where I just share a personal story. Um, and then the relational uh, level is how do we create a human connection from the informational to personal to relational level? And it's really, really simple, actually. Like if I say, um, 
if I say, oh, um, I had quite a, a tough night yesterday, like I didn't sleep so well because my, my dog just um, wanted to go and pee all night. And, and so I, I had to wake up two times and just go out and, 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 and let her pee. Um, then whoever is listening would be saying, oh, what I hear you say is, um, yeah, that you had a, it seems like you had a really tough night last night and you didn't sleep very well. Is that true? And, and then I'd say, oh, my God, yeah, it's true. And, 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 it's, um, and then the conversation would just go on from there. So one will talk, one listens, and the one who listens reflects back. What I heard you say is, is that true? Is there more? And just, um, and just on the basis of that, uh, the person who's sharing feels so much more seen. And, um, and, then, and then we teach people how to take turns. It's like, hey, can we do a check-in? So with colleagues, for instance, or you can do it with your partner, your family member, like a friend, anyone, you can say, hey, you know, before we start this meeting, why don't we have a check-in? Uh, why don't we time it to two and a half minutes? I set a timer, you talk, and you tell me what's alive for you right now and what you need to get out of the way so that it's, it doesn't seep into the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the time rings, I'll just reflect back um, and, uh, and, and then I'll go. You know, and, and, and so, and that's five minutes at the beginning of the meeting. And then the personal stuff is out of the way and the human connection is created. And then we can go to the agenda because I find even in business meetings now, like I have them too. If I don't take the time to do this at the beginning, it's just a business meeting. And then I yep. recall feeling empty and just, you know, yeah. like, well, that was supposed to be some of my social moments. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm satisfied, yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, so that's one. And then another tip would be to share impact. So for instance, um, if I say, um, um, if I say, well, you know, I, I really like, um, like how you're conducting this um this, this call today, like, I feel really welcome, I feel really warm, you know, um, and, and, and I'm wondering, like, how that's impacting you hearing me say this. It feels good. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> uh, well, it's like, it's nice, because obviously, when that's how, like, I want you to feel. So if you're saying that that is the impact that's being had, then then I feel like, okay, that's good. Like, I made you at ease and made you feel comfortable yeah and so do you feel more connected to me now that I've shared this yeah for sure see (laughs) (laughs) so that's another one like sharing impact you know if someone shares something and 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 I or share something with me and I feel like um you know like even just hearing you say what you just said like I, I can see your face blushing a little bit, and <laughs> blush and smile, and I feel like this like tenderness in my chest, and, and you know, and I can bring the experience that I'm having back to my physical body and create more connection between the two of us, just on a call, you know, and 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 um, and it's just such a beautiful practice. And then from these like basic principles um and levels of conversation we just build on that with like every course and there's so many levels now and yeah it's just um it's just such a beautiful practice and we're yeah we're hitting corporate world by storm it seems (laughs) yeah I love I love this because 
in corporate, it's obviously like in our in our personal lives. That's that's one thing. I think we're. I mean, maybe more comfortable, but maybe maybe not. Also, but like in corporate, I think people feel like it always has to have this like veneer of professionalism or like you can't be human basically but I mean like I'm I'm speaking to the to the expert here but when you when you bring in that human element in the corporate sphere it feels like everything else just flows more smoothly yes and then even you know as lawyers especially like I find conflict resolution and conflict transformation like it's such an amazing way to mediate with and negotiate with another person because I'm I'm acknowledging that another person's in front of me instead of you know doing it by email and back and forth and this power play of hey you know um, no my client wants this and we gave you that so give me this or or just plainly hey no we're the stronger party here so it's so just you know. Um, like forget about this comment yeah <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I, I thought i always thought that was really frustrating and now i'm finding that even in contract negotiation with corporations because i'm bringing the human element i'm doing it over zoom um camera or no camera it doesn't matter really that the person feels so much more seen and um and that's really what human connection is really about um and 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 these skills apply in person as much like uh, I, I know that, for instance, with my parents, my my relationship to them has completely changed since I've learned these skills. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm triggered, I'm like, okay, I'm triggered. I'm having these emotions. Like I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm going to collapse, or I want to like posture and like and, and and scream back or something. And then instead of doing that, I'm like, okay, um, I'm going to share my experience now. I feel like you've just attacked me with you. I feel attacked by the word that I just heard. So, yeah. so, so you see how I, I reformulated that. Like instead of you just attacked me with your words, like I feel that the words I heard just 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 hurt me really, and um, and I and I have um, like I feel like there's tears forming behind my eyes, and 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 all I want to do is run away right now. And I said that to my dad once, and then he was like, "Oh, I'm really sorry. That was not my intention." And then I'm like, oh, hearing you say that it was not your intention is bringing some calmness back into me, and now I can talk to you. Yeah, you know, and 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 so and so and so and this can happen with your boss. This can happen with your colleagues, with some clients that might trigger you, and and just by revealing um, something that goes on in my body makes me human again, and mm-hmm. then um, gives context as to why I'm reacting the way I'm reacting. And I'm reacting because I made an assumption that, you know, that he didn't mean well. But actually, he's my dad and he loves me, so he always means well. But I don't necessarily know that. In the moment, yeah. Yes, exactly. And so I'll respond and react. And, and this entire practice has just changed my relationship with my parents. And, and it's changed my relationship with my colleagues, too. Like, I sometimes, especially as a boss, like, get so triggered and then you know I, yeah. how come how come this hasn't been done or or, or or I thought I'd explain this and um and then and then you know we check assumptions we we reflect back on each other and and then they learned it too and then we're like well I hear that you're frustrated is that true 
And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm frustrated. And then I take a breath and I calm down and I continue the conversation. <laughs> you know, and, and so and so it's so useful in so so many ways. And and so yeah, I've been I'm really excited to roll this out. Um, oh, I'm so excited for this. Yeah. Like I feel like every every office needs this, but also just I feel like we should also be taught about this just for communication in general between with other humans, you know? Um, yeah, I think, I think we're, I think we can all agree that we need more human connection these days. So not just in the corporate space, but just in terms of like our everyday relating with other people, how, how can we create deeper connections with the people who are already in our lives? So like friends, friends and family, and then how, how can we more easily create connections with other people? Hmm. Well, I guess um, the first one would be just to reach out like um, to, to friends and family and, and, and people we like. I know um, like uh, I'm an introverted extrovert. Um, so <laughs> like, uh, and, it's, and it's been really hard to admit to myself, but I, I, I like spending time on my, by myself, but like I, yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily admit it to myself so much, but I am terrified every time I need to 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 go and, and, and reach out to someone. I'm like, oh, yeah. protect me. What if they don't have time? What am I going to say? <laughs> yeah, those fears. And we all have them. And I and and and, and well, I'm assuming that we all have them. Um, but for me, I find that especially this year during COVID, it's been even more amplified. Like I'm. I'm I feel like I'm so needy of human connection that I'm actually really afraid to go and get what I need. Yeah. What if they can pick up on my neediness? Like, yeah, I can't yeah. stand neediness. You know, like, yeah. I'm judging myself. And I guess, I guess the first step would just be to reach out to the people where it's less scary. And if everybody's scary, then I like to talk about leaning over the edge. It's like, okay, where's my comfort zone? Like, here's my circle of comfort and safety. Like, can I just stand behind the line and just lean over and have a look? And what does that look like? And that will be uncomfortable. But in, in meditation, um, it's really interesting. And actually in yoga as well, we, 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 we learn how to be okay with being uncomfortable, like to accept um, that, you know, these are sensations in the body, but that they don't have to rule the mind and that whatever is going on in the mind doesn't need to transpire or affect the body. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so if I, like, I, 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 I train myself, like even I go to a high place and I lean over the edge, I'm like, oh my God, this is really uncomfortable, but hey, I'm okay. <laughs> like I'm looking and I can feel like that I breathe and I'm like, I'm alive, I'm okay, I'm not falling. And so it's really about training the mind and the body both actually to, to be okay with the discomfort because then for me, that's really helped me um, build up the courage to, to reach out and then have these conversations, be like, hey, you know what? I, I'd really like to have a catch up um, uh, for, and then set context. Like uh, um, I'd like to have a catch up maybe for 45 minutes this week. Um, uh, let me know when you're free and uh, why I'd like to talk to you because actually, you know what, I've been missing you and, uh, and, uh, and, and I, just, I just would like to laugh and catch up and see how you've been doing. 
um, laughter optional, you know, if, if, if you're not <laughs> in the right space or something. Mm-hmm. And just having, like, receiving a message like this is already, I find, really heartwarming because I'm revealing myself a lot more in the message. So I'm reaching out in a much more authentic and, 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 and vulnerable way. And then it's for the other person to meet me in the middle. Um, sometimes they're not available. And, uh, and I've learned to be okay with that too, because then I can reach to someone else <laughs> until, until, until I find someone and then it's a beautiful connection. And so, um, so yeah, it's like I've been having to work past my excuses and my fears. Um, and I guess this year has been great training. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, I love I love this so much. Um, so you touched a little bit on you know how this year kind of swept everything away, and now you're starting, you're restarting everything. Um, so I like to ask people what you would call this chapter in the story of your life. Wow, I'd call it the hurricane in the eye of the storm, and how I walked <laughs> out of it. yeah yeah it felt it felt really tumultuous with like attending funerals on video chat feeling really isolated in my apartment being confined in Singapore um, having neighbors and people on the street take photos of us and report us if we didn't respect the rules like uh, it felt really oppressive um, and, and although I love Singapore a lot and the, like COVID got controlled uh, in the time that they were expecting because they were so vigilant, mm-hmm. it really took a toll on my, like, on my health, and, uh, which is why I, I left the country when I could. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I'll probably go back um, once all of this is over. Uh, hopefully soon but who knows <laughs> yeah yeah and then i felt like i was i was like tossed into a hurricane and it's just like being bumped from place to place and like hit with in, in the face with like random flying things of my life <laughs> and then sort of also watching from the eye of the storm feeling really sorry for myself <laughs> like oh why is this happening to me why am I so miserable to like going through an emotional roller coaster when it came to running my business yeah and uh and then actually then when I surrendered and I'm like okay you know what I can't do anything about this I'm trying to control the storm the storm's hitting me in the face and it's like spearing me like with these like things like I'm just like it's almost like I was so injured (laughs) <laughs> and I felt really sorry for myself and and, and then I, I just I just dropped I just dropped the ball I'm like okay I can't do anything about it so I'm gonna take care of me mm-hmm. and I did that and then and I think that's when I got to stand in the eye of the storm some like sit and and, and restore um, as I said earlier um, pre um, pre-conversation I went on like a five-week uh, silence um, self-confined retreat um, just to get my thoughts straight and, 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 and in the middle of nature which was really nourishing and then, yeah and then somehow I walked out of it and everything's fallen into place it's almost like well um, if I take a, a 
big like a large perspective or a large view of like everything that's happened I learned a lot I grew so much um I also learned to let go of what I can't control um Mm -hmm. and that's been really big for me this year and so yeah I walked out of the storm and now everything that I've built is still useful I'm here I'm healthy I have a lot of human connections I learn new skills um I'm offering a completely new product that has moved from mindfulness and well-being at work to authentic communication and authentic leadership like um and yeah it's just really been a gift (laughs) like yeah I love that I think definitely especially you know letting go and then focusing on what you can control like taking care of yourself I think so many people can relate to that this year um and is like a huge learning that we can all take away and and move forward with because that's that's always the one thing that stays within our control right Mm, yes and now I'm actually curious like what did you do to take care of yourself this year (laughs) um well right now it's kind of shifted but like this being back in London I take a bath almost every day which is not great for water consumption but um the UK has a lot of water and also in terms of I, I I'm I tell myself that you know like I'm taking care of myself so that I can do things that are going to have a positive impact so that's been huge for me especially in the winter um and then just focusing on I mean I'm I'm lucky that I because I have a I lost my job in in April but because I have a partner I I wasn't concerned for my uh, material needs you know I I wasn't concerned for my housing or my food and so I was able to focus on building up my own projects so that's mm-hmm. that's what I focused on and that's been for me that's been really great as well to be able to start doing things that I've been thinking about for a long time um, but yeah I would say baths and then getting outside every day especially now in the winter because I also experience the winter very very heavily so getting out once a day, uh, no matter what, has made a huge difference as well. I love that, taking baths and going out and doing things that you love. Like That sounds really fantastic. Yeah. And how yeah. I'm also hearing about the fact that your partner's taking care of you. <laughs> yes, nice. he's, he's good at that. So uh, so we're uh, we're working on that for you for, for 2021. <laughs> um, <laughs> so for... If people are interested in, you know, your offerings and stuff, where can they find you and connect with you? Um, so actually finding me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook or Instagram would uh, be a good start. LinkedIn has the most information. And then, um, well, authenticrelating.co has okay. the Authentic Relating courses for people. So if uh, any of you listeners want to try out what it is, um, yeah, they're online and in-person courses all over the world. Um, we're on four continents now I think Um, wow yeah yeah it's uh, it's becoming so big and there's a community call that you can try out um, where you can just join for free and just see and see what it's like um, before taking any of the courses and then uh, by the end of uh, or actually by January we're launching authenticrelating.biz which will have the whole corporate offering Um, but yeah like uh, like January will be a good start but if you want like to know more feel free to reach out to me on social media and I can I'm always happy to respond awesome 
Cool. Well, thank you so much, Delphine. This was um, so cool. I loved hearing about authentic relating and everything, and you know, your year and everything. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable. And yeah, I'm looking forward to see how things unfold uh, in the mm. next year. Yeah.